This episode is the first in a three-part series featuring conversations with Costa Rican wildlife guides. We'll delve into the impacts of climate change on the Costa Rican rainforest, indigenous communities, and the ecotourism industry. Plus, learn about Costa Rican national parks, the government's role in climate change mitigation, and COVID-19's impact on these local wildlife experts. My first interview is with Haniel, a member of Puerto Viejo's indigenous Bribri community and a bird guide. First, can you just introduce yourself? First? Uh, your what? Name, your name. My name? Yeah. Okay, I'm Haniel Rodriguez. I'm a indigenous Bribri. Uh, so my clan is Duriwa. Um, can you talk a little bit about how climate change is affecting um, this area and the Bribri community? Wow, the climate change. So in these areas, we don't can see the like a, the very strong change because normally the indigenous we are all the time living a lot about the agriculture, but in some occasion. Uh, the, the, the rain, the bigger season for the rain, the long are bigger long the, the process, uh, and the dry season too. Now they are uh, more longer. In the past, we have like a short time, and we know exactly season when they're gonna rain or when is the dry season. But now are longer process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So you talked a little bit about, I guess that's like farming, um, and I had read some things about something called agroforestry. Um, do you know about that or what that means? Agroforestry. Wow, right. it's a very complicated, but, okay. Um, so, normally the indigenous, they don't have like a, the, the monocultivo, you know monocultivo? Okay, and uh, normally they have many different products in the same place. And uh, like, uh, for example, rice, beans, corn, bananas, and tree for, for woods, some trees for fruits. So they have all together in the same place. Yeah, but about the, the what do you say, the trees, agriculture? Oh, agroforestry. Agroforestry? Yeah. No, in this area we don't have like a, the, this like a plantation for the forest trees, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um. So, can you talk a little bit about like the relationship of the Bribri community with the government? Like, are they helping the community, or is it tense, or how does that work? Wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Um. The relationship with the gov- with the government and the indigenous are. Morally, yeah, the something is that normally in Costa Rica, uh, the government are like a, uh, like a, they forgot about the indigenous. Mm-hmm. They don't help like the like how they need help for the indigenous. Uh, many of the countries uh, they bring a lot of money for Costa Rica for help the indigenous communities, the indigenous people. But in Costa Rica, we have a lot of bureaucracy and corruption. And, for example, if 100% of all this money, probably just like at the 5% came from the indigenous areas. And the rest lost in the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Did you grow up in the Brewery community? No, I grew up out of the Brewery community. Um, but, <coughs> okay. I grew up in the coast. My father was, he is indigenous. My mother is indigenous too. And so I am like a, the prince for the indigenous breweries <laughs> in this area. My father, so my grandfather was the last king in this area. Oh, yeah. Wow. What was his name? Uh, wow. Wait, 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 wait. I don't remember the name for my grandfather. Sorry. <laughs> okay, his name was Luis Elis Saldaña. He's the last, uh, the last king. But, okay. So he, for the indigenous, he is the last king. But he don't take the crown, uh, the neglect, and the stick of the king because he don't marry it. And he need marry for take that. But all the people know that he is the next king, the last king. Uh, my father said that when they was child, my grandfather goes from indigenous territories for, for visit some friends or some families. And uh, all the people climb down the hill for find the king. But my grandfather grew up with a priest in the Catholic religion. And for that reason that he don't marry. So are there still kings or was he, so he was the last one, there's no more? Exactly, so we, now we don't have more kings, now it's like an association, they are the local government for the indigenous territories. Mm -hmm. I had read that, it, that the Bribri, like society was kind of run by women, like a matrilineal society, is that? Yeah, yeah, for example, about my clan, it's coming for my mom all the time never for my father yeah it's like a matriarch matriarchal mm -hmm. yeah yeah do you speak do you speak another language uh-huh okay so i will speak spanish more or less english more or less and the afro-caribbean language or the patois it's the, the language that the people speak in the Afro-Caribbean coast for Jamaica, Barbados, all the Caribbean islands and I know just like a 5% of the language in a pre-breed language and then I know some little part of the French, German and Italy. Wow! wow. wow. Where did you learn all those languages? <laughs> Okay, um, the English in the National Learning Institute and then I practice with the tourists. The French I have one year in the, for class in the high school. For the German and Italian I practice with the tourists. Uh, I ask about the tourists. And for the Afro-Caribbean language, um, so I speak with my friends. This is like a, a modern language for all the, the, the Afro-Caribbean population, yeah. And, but I learned that language like five years ago when I was like 22, 23 years old, something like that. Are there any, do you um, celebrate any like indigenous traditions or holidays? Uh, in this area, yeah, we can celebrate, uh, we call La Jala de Piedra or Jala de Chonta and it's a very important
important celebration in the indigenous uh, place. Mm -hmm. What is it like? Uh, so, it's like a... I don't know how, to, how you can say in English, but normally, like an agua, uh, you know agua or shaman? The, yeah, yeah, the, shaman, the yeah. master of the shaman, the yeah. one. Uh, he say for the people, uh, we need take that stone right here from the mountain, and then we're gonna take put that stone there in the in the for example in the school or in the clinic, and for help about the people and uh, many different something more. And all the people go there in the mountain. They make uh, with, a, with some piece of trees and vine. They charge the, the stone, and the the women and the men they charge that stone from the mountain to the other place, like at a school or a clinic, wherever they're gonna put the, the stone. Yeah. Cool. Um, what is the main way that the breviary support themselves, like through tourism or farming or something else? Work. What kind of work is there? The agriculture. Agriculture. agriculture yeah. Farming. Exactly. They farming. Uh, normally, they have very big product, uh, plantation of the banana and plantain. And yeah, yeah, that is like at the ninety percent of the economy. The agriculture. Yeah. The other ten percent is like a somewhat a teacher, other uh, work with the police, other work with the municipality, other in the in the minister of health, and just like at the one or two percent they work with the tourism. Yeah. How did how did COVID affect affect the economy? Mm, in this area, it's not very bad because how the how we are in the agriculture, for example, uh, we can continue in the agriculture process, and that does uh, is not like a very bad because, uh, for example, in the tourism, all is closed, but with the agriculture, you, the people need produce again, produce and continue producing. They don't close the the farm. Yeah. Is it mainly self-sustaining farming, like mainly for the community, or do they um, sell it uh, outside? Uh, no, all the time they have the farm in the indigenous reserve. Yeah. Okay. So they're not competing with uh, Chiquito? No, they the don't compete. No. The group of the of the women, they produce chocolate, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's called Acumita. But yeah, normally uh, our how the, the process here is like a the matriarchal in indigenous. Uh, normally the women, they have farm and they produce the cacao. What is school like for the kids? What is what? What is school like? What language is uh, it taught in? Normally in the school, the class are in the, uh, in the Spanish, but the child, they have class for culture and language, for indigenous culture and indigenous language. Yeah. And in the high school too. The, the school and the high school in the indigenous territories. Um, do people tend to leave the community once they 
grow up and become adults? Normally, yes. So is, is the community kind of getting smaller? I mean, are, as people leave and then the older people kind of pass away, is it getting smaller? Haniel mentioned that the Puerto Viejo Bribri community flourishes without monocultivo, or the monoculture crops spattered across much of Costa Rica's fertile territory. In the indigenous community, domesticated corn, rice, and beans coexist amongst wild rainforest flora and fauna. Even though Haniel may not refer to the Bribri's food production system as agroforestry, the community has been practicing it for many years. Agroforestry is a newfangled term for an ancient indigenous practice, and it describes the codependent agricultural relationship between the thrumming forest kingdom and this robust Bribri village. Domestic orange, lemon, and starfruit crops are swamped in pulpy shade beneath native trees used for lumber. Wild medicinal plants, wielded as cures for respiratory trouble and viper bites, peep out from beneath the shadows of human-tamed produce. Domesticated chickens, pigs, and horses mingle with wild peccaries and pacas. In a layered collage, forest beneath human beneath forest, agricultural upon natural upon agricultural, sustainable agroforestry is a means of combating climate change and colonization, and it bolsters indigenous roots in the jungle. Agroforestry strengthens indigenous independence and self-reliance. It invigorates food sovereignty in the Bribri community, which is to say it encourages complete autonomy over the entire food production and distribution process within the village. Ensuring access to equitable, sustainable, and healthy produce does not depend on outside corporations. Agroforestry also battles climate change. It rejuvenates the earth with its unparalleled carbon absorption capabilities, increased biodiversity, and heightened soil quality. Cocoa production is at the core of Bribri culture. It is a form of spiritual, nutritional, and financial sustenance. It represents the interaction between the harvesting of domesticated agriculture and the cultivation of wild rainforest flora. Cocoa is a link between the past and the present. Its practical usage overlaps with its sacred symbolism. Perhaps most interestingly, in the Bribri cosmos, this multidimensional plant represents women who pass down the lifeblood of the matrilineal Bribri society. In fact, cocoa symbolizes the blood of women themselves. Women are in command of the land and land inheritance, and only women are qualified to perform cocoa harvesting ceremonies. For Bribri women, this is a form of resistance against the intrusive Chiquita Banana Company, which has long threatened to sabotage indigenous autonomy and women's rights within the Bribri community. 
The invasive banana monoculture disrupts indigenous cultural values because the fruit industry is a male-dominated field, which clashes with the Bribri's female-centric social structure. In the wake of the Chiquita monoculture invasion, fertile indigenous soil is steeped with pesticides that cause infertility in the indigenous women. According to the International Journal of Health Services, the women's cocoa harvesting is a means of preserving cultural heritage. However, a matrilineal society is not synonymous with a matriarchal one. Bribri societies aren't immune to the patriarchal ideologies and pervasive misogyny that bleeds into the women's daily lives. The Bribri women feared domestic violence as they walked to their crops and they still fight to be recognized by the Costa Rican government. In this way, cocoa also symbolizes resilience and feminism. In Talamanca, another indigenous inhabited region of Costa Rica, the Bribri women formed a chocolate-producing association that centers around female empowerment. It links women-led cocoa harvesting to social awareness and women's rights. Even if they don't explicitly label it as such, Haniel's Bribri community is forced to adapt to climate change. Changes in precipitation, coupled with parched soil and droughts, threaten the precious cocoa seedlings. Fortunately, agroforestry serves as an extra layer of sustainable protection against the changing climate. Soaring rainforest trees shade the cocoa plants, and a potpourri of biodiverse jungle flora and domestic crops ensures that the land stays fertile and resistant. My family shuffled through Puerto Viejo's indigenous Bribri village behind our guide Haniel. Our small crowd pooled in a humid shelter, the roof constructed from tufts of parched leaves. Two Bribri women flitted around an elevated fireplace, nestling slick, cast-iron pots above the flames. Haniel shook a bowl containing raw cocoa beans, which jangled amiably as they hopped in the dish. He passed the bowl off to one of the indigenous women, who poured the chattering beans into an open pot, flames sloshing over the sides. The woman gripped a wooden stick and rhythmically stirred the cocoa as it roasted. The beans fizzled and popped like smoldering dragon eggs beginning to hatch. Then Haniel drained the beans, still sighing soupy steam, onto an indented boulder. He plopped down, straddling the stone with his legs, and heaved a rounded rock twice the size of his head onto the cocoa. Haniel wobbled the rock back and forth across the beans, which crackled like sooty eggshells beneath the heavy stone. Normally, I don't visit the gym because I do this kind of tour like three or four times a week, and that stone is very heavy. Oh, we're gonna use the Yeah. When the beans were finally reduced to a gritty dust, Haniel scooped the cocoa powder into a shallow dish and handed it to the woman in charge of the ceremonial chocolate. She shimmied the shimmering powder back and forth, and any chunky chocolate nibs soared to the ground as the fine dust remained in place. Exactly with the wind, they fly. Mm -hmm. Now comes the fun part. With a mischievous grin, Haniel sifted the cocoa powder into the funnel of a cranking machine. 
He dusted off his palms theatrically, swung his arms back and forth, and guzzled a lungful of air. Then he whipped the crank in blurry circles as fast as possible. Warm from the friction, the glistening cocoa paste oozed out of the machine. Wiping his brow, Haniel commanded me to detach six ripe bananas hanging from the ceiling of the hut. He slit into their velvety flesh and spread the raw chocolate lava in the gash. Warm choco banana taco, he declared. It's a traditional brewery snack. Choco bananas are nirvana. The raw chocolate is bitter but impossibly rich. It's like swallowing a molten black hole. And the sunny fluffiness of the banana married the chocolate in an ethereal, sweet tart zing. We thanked the Bribri women who led the ceremony and reluctantly scuffled out of the chocolate hut. Next, Hania led us to a sunlit shelter where he taught us how to introduce ourselves in the Bribri language. Ima Becky, that means like, what is your name? And normally you can say like, Jekie, my name is, and your name, right? He demonstrated the use of an indigenous blow dart and even explained the complex bribri hunting strategy, which involves a language of fluttering whistle calls. I like this. And when anyone is close, they hunt. Today, hunting is mainly forbidden in Costa Rica after animal populations in the rainforest plunged as a result of overconsumption. Indigenous tribes are permitted to hunt under extremely restricted conditions in small sectors of the country, and they're required to use traditional weapons. Haniel explained that in 1502, the Spanish killed 90% of Costa Rica's indigenous population. They charged the coastal people into the hills and left behind a horde of deadly diseases. Today, the government hasn't done much to make amends. Native land is regularly encroached upon. Two decades ago, activists proposed a bill for indigenous autonomous development, but Congress has yet to acknowledge it. 70.8% of the Bribri population lives below the poverty line, compared to 20% of Costa Rica's overall population. And indigenous people make up only 2.4% of citizens. Next, we trailed Haniel into a shadowy, cone-shaped shelter, a fire studding the center of the earthen floor. The air peeled with smoke and chalky shadows. Haniel stirred a fire and explained the symbolism behind each element of the room. He gestured toward a string of dried corn, the kernels a mosaic of colors, hanging above the fire. The Bribri believe that humans were created from maize, and the diversity in the hues of human skin is represented by the kaleidoscopic kernels. Haniel introduced me to the silver-haired spry shaman. He gestured for me to approach the man, who cradled a spiky crimson seed pot that resembled a light-up holiday bulb. The shaman split open the bulb and proceeded to line my eyes, lips, and cheeks with scarlet paste, much to my surprise. Traditional marriage makeup, Haniel exclaimed giddily. Then, he performed a series of demonstrations on my parents, including pasting their index fingers to each other to represent a marital bond. The shaman plastered my dad in naturally sticky, man-sized leaves, a traditional form of camouflage for ancient Bribri hunters. We were instructed to take whiffs of the various wild medicinal plants flourishing just outside the hut.
I buried my nose in a cinnamon tree, sniffed a cardamom pod, and inhaled a leaf that served as a natural bug repellent. This dizzying sensory exhibit culminated in the tasting of something Haniel gleefully referred to as pepper of the chicken. The shaman pinched a seed, no bigger than a comma, off an inconspicuous bush, and offered the seed to my father. Take only a tiny bite of that, Haniel warned. My dad chuckled. It's so small. How can I even take a bite of this? He nibbled half the beady kernel. Then he smacked his lips, and after a moment, my dad's eyes bulged and his face flushed as if he too was stained with crimson ceremonial marriage makeup. That is spicy. I warned you, Haniel exclaimed. As we continued along the path, my dad still taking massive swigs of water, rainforest birds flitted overhead like feverish dancers at a masquerade ball. Species after species rolled off Haniel's tongue as he identified hawks, thrushes, parrots, and oropendulas faster than we could tally them up. He swiveled towards every sound, distinguishing birds not only by their feathers, but by their uncanny alien calls as well. The Bribri Society is, in itself, a peaceful resistance. In a world driven by capitalism and commercialism, they live in harmony with the earth, taking only what they need and returning what they owe. In fact, the ancient Bribri farming method actually enriches the environment, a stark contrast to the prevalent monocultures that leave land barren in exchange for a fleetingly fruitful crop. The Bribri matrilineal social structure is rare and revolutionary, but it is also a reminder that the idolization of women does not guarantee equality, positions of power don't guarantee respect, and that matrilineal societies are not immune to misogyny. The Bribri are also resisting climate change, a relatively new phenomenon, with age-old practices. Lastly, their most sacred link to the earth is chocolate, a food that in other parts of the world has become a symbol of decadence by every definition of that word. However, for the Bribri, chocolate is not overproduced, overconsumed, cheapened, or pillaged from the earth. It is sacred in its rarity, its careful cultivation and preservation, and its consumption in moderation. It symbolizes the blood of Bribri women. It's a lifeline to the jungle, a link to the earth, and a hope for the future. The unsweetened chocolate is a bitter break from the sugar-coated, shrink-wrapped, one-bite mouthfuls offered to us by mainstream society. Unprocessed cocoa helps us process our roots. Raw chocolate is an unrefined link to the earth that we come from, a link that will be severed, literally, if we don't act soon. Unrefined cocoa is a bitter reminder of our precarious present, but it is also an unfinished product. In this way, the raw cocoa bean leaves hope for a sweet, sweet future on the tip of the tongue, so close we can almost taste it. Thanks for listening to Park Wake Up Call.